When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hey, welcome to Insights, everyone, where our guests this hour are the leaders and organizers of Luck Presents, Luck Reunion, and other various and outstanding music and cultural experiences, Matt Beiser and granddaughter of the late sister Bobby Nelson, Ellie Fletcher Derniak. Luck Presents is a very highly respected collective based in Willie Nelson's backyard of Luck, Texas. And these days, they offer a new kind of live music experience, which you'll learn all about in today's show. With the Luck Reunion and other big events on the horizon, we wanted to spotlight the amazing things this group is doing to preserve traditions in music, food, and craft. After the show, visit their website at luckpresents.com to learn more. But first, let's welcome Amy Wright with Matt Beiser and Ellie Fletcher Derniak. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Matt. Luck Reunion. Very cool. You guys are the ones who organize this absolutely amazing event every year. And that has grown and grown and grown. And um, everyone, now it's like the hottest ticket in town. It's very hard to get. <laughs> That's got to be very exciting. But I kind of wanted to go back and find out how you got the whole thing started. And Ellie, I wanted to start with you. You are um, kind of rock royalty on a, on a certain level. And uh, um, the, you're the granddaughter, right, of Sister Bobby mm-hmm. Nelson. And what was your background that, that, that took you to um, organizing the Luck Reunion? Um, well, the property itself was kind of like a second backyard for me. I grew up right around the corner from um, the Luck, Texas um, property movie set. And um, so that really, you know, was a huge part of my background, um, just or just growing up my childhood. We did a lot of plays out there and, you know, just different performances, had a lot of family events there. Um, so it was a really special, you know, always held a special place in my heart. Um, I never really thought we, um, I mean, if I could have told myself as a child um, <laughs> that we'd be doing this there now, um, I don't know if I would have let myself do it, but <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's just always held a really special place in my heart. And uh, Matt and I, you know, fast forward to, you know, a million years later, um, Matt and I met in New York and, you know, kind of we're working in the same scene back in Austin um, as well as New York, uh, but had a lot of, you know, the same visions of like what we'd love to see in a music event, what we weren't seeing during like South by and, you know, things like the events that we were working, um, you know, as real music fans, there was a lot that we had in common. And so um, he had ideas, you know, things came, I don't know, we just kind of started talking and it just hit me one day, like, why don't we go back out and look at luck? Um, So yeah, that's a very 
complicated way <laughs> explaining that part of it. Matt um, has so Matt, so Matt, what was your background and were you in events already or what was what were you doing when you when you guys decided to do this? So I, um, my background actually was from film. I actually worked in uh, TV and film and I had lived, I'd moved back to Texas from New Mexico and then was in a stint on working on movies when I actually was, I grew up in New Braunfels, Texas, which is very like musical city, same kind of deal. Me and Ellie both share that like central Texas, like rich music culture growing up. And then all of my friends being musicians, when I was off on like a kind of like, between two shooting seasons on a project, I went up to New York and actually met Ellie on a trip filming my friend's band, a band called The Happenings. And we were up there in New York and kind of met our little like world of people that helped start Luck. Um, and that, that all happened like really quickly in like a short period of time. We, we were talking about it. I have a, a good friend, Johnny Burke, who him and I had like thrown like a little South by party a year before this, because he had kind of needed a gig during that time. And, he'd been like, Hey, you know how to put stuff together. Like, let's do it. And so we had thrown this like party that we got our friends to and just kind of through this whole process, like, you know, friends and other people were like, Oh, you should throw another South by party. And it just wasn't something we wanted to do necessarily or even thought about We just, we did see that like me and Ellie both worked like similar events. Like I actually was doing film, ended up live streaming and shooting like productions that Ellie was working in PR on. We kept, we were crossing paths in our worlds, like beyond just, you know, with the bands. And so when this idea of like, let's do something that's not South by, let's kind of bring back the old feel of like the Austin shows and like, you know, that discovery thing. Um, yeah. When Ellie threw out the idea of doing this, this event at Luck, you know, I thought it was a pipe dream. You know, I didn't think that was a serious consideration until we actually, it all came together. And I think the last movie I actually worked on before I ended up actually moving to New York, was a, a movie called When Angels Sing that Willie was in playing like a version of Santa Claus. It was like written by Turk Pipkin and um, had a bunch of like a, a cast of all like Texas and like roots music artists that like were very much in the vein of how we started luck. And so this strange like snowball of like very serendipitous, very lucky events led to me and Ellie meet each other. And then us sitting at a table across from like Willie Nanny and her kind of being like, let's, you should tell them about our idea. And I was like, I'm, well, that's a joke, right? And then I think even when, I think Willie's wife actually gave us permission. And I, this is how I tell the story. And I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I remember her being like, yeah, just get insurance. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. And then Ellie was like, no, that's permission in this world. <laughs> like, my family, that means yes. And I was like, oh, wait, are, we're serious? Like she really wants to do the party? <laughs> and so that's how luck started. It was like complete accident of like, you know, we, we thought it'd be a fun idea and we ended up with the ability to do it. So we started doing it. <laughs> so Ellie, what, when you guys first sat across the table from each other and you thought we want to throw this party, did you have a mission for the party in mind? Did you have a vision for the party or did you just think, Hey, we, we want to have live music. We want to have a good time. What was the first thoughts there? Um, it was kind of a combo of all the things. I think I just remember one of our conversations early on being, you know, that kind of same, like we really, we love to like toss music back and forth to each other. And, um, you know, just early on, like being friends, that's something, I mean, that's kind of what our friendship was based off of. And 
um, our whole little group of friends, it was all so like music discovery focused. But I think uh, Matt and I just recognized that we had that similar um, kind of, I don't know, just um, interest in doing the legwork and finding really cool acts. And like you said, you know, what we, our worlds were overlapping so much work-wise in ways that we were like, you know what, we could do this differently. We could, you know, there's a gap at, you know, in South by specifically, but I think, you know, he had a lot of ideas um, kind of on his own in general. And he had a company that he was um, looking to kind of correct me if I'm saying this incorrectly, um, Matt, but to kind of promote and get the word out about at South by. So that was kind of a cool catalyst for this particular event. It started really um, as a party kind of showcasing our vision, but also helping promote Matt's business at the time. So that I think was kind of like a big jumping point for us that gave us that, um, you know, more of a purpose, if you will. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we just wanted to see really cool music at a really cool place, you know, and kind of give people who are fans like us the opportunity to just go out and kind of get lost in music and discover some new really cool stuff. So it's pretty, you know, that was pretty much our, our goal. So why is it called the Luck Reunion for people who aren't familiar with the Luck Reunion? Why is it called Luck? Well, actually, it, it's interesting. Like the, the story of Reunion, you know, really came when we, when we started it, like it was like this event we were doing, it was a single party that we were throwing one time. And we didn't really have this intent of like, what are we were doing with it? Like Ellie was saying, I had this company that we were like, you know, we're going to throw this party. It's good exposure for all of us. We're going to put it all together. We're paying for it. We're not, we didn't have any intent to like make it into something really. I don't think at that time beyond being this like promotional like thing that we were just doing one time, but we, we knew there was something special happening as it started coming together. I mean, to be honest, it started with that, that mission and even in the process of the first one, every opportunity led to something different and created what it became. And so after we'd thrown the first event, which was really just a party, and honestly, like we didn't even really realize how big it would become on the first event. Like more people showed up than we even invited. And we learned very quickly how to produce an event, like, you know, sort of accidentally. It was the same deal as that, like we, all of our friends that had gotten together to throw this were caught off guard by like the expansiveness of throwing an event of that scale. Um, but it wasn't until the third year that we actually called it luck reunion. And that was when, uh, I think at that time, like Annie and the family, you know, we sat down and we sort of like actually made it a company. And I think at that, that's when we really said like, what is this? And I think knowing now we'd have three years of this. And at this point we really became passionate about it. It went from this idea to like its own community and this living, breathing thing that we really cared about. It became like a passion project for all of us. Like I started like winding down some of my work, like Ellie was leaving her, but like over this time of the last few years, we slowly like moved out of like pursuing film or publicity or whatever the, the careers we were chasing to do this project. And so it really became a family reunion, you know, like it became like all of the crew got together once a year and we, we were still living in New York at the time. And so like, it was a reunion. It was like every year we all came back to Texas 
We all went back to our home turf, all of our friends and family, like, you know, our, our family was working on it. All of our friends were working on it. Like my actual dad was like on a ladder building the and like all of it was so organic and real that it just, it was a reunion. And so that's what it became. And from there it's evolved, but that's, that's where the reunion name came from. And wasn't there a movie made on Willie's property way back when, and there's Western structures and describe the little town that's there. Yeah, so the set was actually built as, um, or the town was built as the set for Redheaded Stranger, which was a 1985 film starring Willie, um, based on his concept album of the same name that had um, come out in the mid to late 70s. Um, So he was, um, you know, pitching this film, trying to get this film made, you know, they wanted like Robert Redford to be the star. He partnered with Bill Whitliff, who was the director and kind of co-creator of the film. Um, nothing went their way at all. <laughs> so they ended up um, kind of getting like, I mean, just a super scrappy team. I think of like, you know, a lot of people from the UT, like School of Architecture um, to create this set out in Spicewood, Texas. Um, And the script actually called for the set to, or much of the set to burn down. And Willie throughout, you know, the filming process had become so attached to it that he um, wanted to keep it. And so he kept it. Now he renamed it Luck, Texas. And um, it's lucky for everyone, for sure. But yeah, there's been a lot of... uh, rebuilding happening recently i mean it's you know it's an old film set so it's so interesting um you know to see kind of the evolution over the years um it's not always the safest place but matt's done a lot of good work um to kind of help refurbish some of the the buildings but um yeah it it feels like you're just stepping onto an old western set and it's you know this is really the only opportunity for the public to be able to do that and it's you know literally in Willie's backyard so it's lucky indeed it's pretty amazing that it's actually still there because a lot of movie sets are built to be really temporary so yes (laughs) amazing (laughs) well and when did Willie become involved was he involved from the beginning or did he kind of join later I know he was playing but he kind of came on board when I think it was year three that I think year two, I think is when was it Luke or Annie were there? A few of the family were there, I think the second year maybe. And that was when everybody was kind of like, I think Willie should play next year. You know, and I think because I think at that time we were, you know, we were booking a, a eclectic mix of bands that like, you know, were kind of all over. It was from like Texas roots music, bands that we really loved, people that we grew up listening to that all felt like, you know, Billy Joe Shaver and Ray Wiley Hubbard and these people were like really excited to have that inclusion. But then like, you know, we were also having these like indie rock bands like Phosphorescent and, you know, we had Jim James of My Morning Jacket and all of these things. And then it was about year three that, you know, I think we were like, got the idea was like, Hey, I think Willie wants to come play this. And I think year three he came and did it. And, you know, I want to say that I remember, Ellie, I think I told you this, but I'd like talked on the phone to them or something when they were just getting home from it. And they were like, it was like, are we doing it again? Like after the first <laughs> year? And that was when we knew it was like, oh, I think this is the, the annual thing now. I think Willie's likely liked it. 
So that it sort of was a, you know, now he's like, it's, you know, he's there every year headlining, but you know, we never knew that was going to happen until he said, you know, what, this is, I'm kind of liking this thing. I'm liking seeing everybody in my backyard. And so he's like, all right, I'll see you next year. And so we, I think he's saying, see you next year every year. And so now we've got, now he's there. So. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> so Highway 71 goes from Austin out to the ranch. Is that right? And mm -hmm. what is that drive like? Because I was reading that it's such a cool thing to get in your car and drive out to the Luck Ranch. What's along the way? Um, you know, like, it's interesting. I, this is funny to say, but like it's changed over the years. Like Luck has, when we first started Luck, you would drive out to the ranch and there, I think it was like one restaurant on the way out there too. And like, once you got past with this bee cave, which is a few minutes, you know, about 15 minutes outside of like central Austin, you kind of didn't have much. There was a few little restaurants and bars, a few things out there. Goody's, which is old Willie's old tour manager's like spot that was out there on the way in. And then you kind of turn out Bee Cave, Pace uh, uh, Bend Road. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot in that area. And so it was this rolling hill country. And it still is beautiful rolling hill country. Lots of like the brush and cedar trees, but like big skies and really pretty land. And then you kind of... Uh, you make your way into the ranch and it's, it's really what's interesting is I think when people talk about it, it's like, it's beautiful to be through the hill country, but when you pull onto the ranch, there's this magical sort of like moment, like you drive in and about 30 yards from the entrance gate, you come around a corner and like Willie's tour buses and charging area and parking is right there. So everyone drives right past his buses with like, you know, you see the murals or you see whatever on the side. And then you pass all of his horses, which are kind of like in corrals on both sides of the drive as you drive up. So you're driving past the rescue horses and slowly down a dirt road until you enter the ranch. And as you pull up, you just see this Western town open up on the top of this hilltop and you can see all the hill country. And now we have this like Hollywood sign really, you know, we have the luck sign on the side of the hilltop. And so it's just this like little oasis, um, and the reason I say that is because like it's developed so much over like we've been doing this for 10 years now and from year one till today, there's entire developments in like residential communities like on the drive out there. So part of this is we've seen the area grow and how many subdivisions have been built and how much has changed is like the mission of like preservation and preserving like this magical island of Willie and like also the music of Austin, like that's become a huge mission for us. And Maybe it's us getting older too. Like maybe it's thirties <laughs> and not our early twenties. Like there's this feeling of like preserving like what we've grown up with. But yeah, I think there's this, it, you know, kind of the old Texas hill country that we grew up in is still alive out there. And I think yeah. that's what you see as you drive to the ranch. So what have you guys learned about holding a festival and something that you learned that you didn't do in the beginning and now, now, now that you've done it for 10 years, um, you know better. Everything? <laughs> say the exact same thing. All of it? <laughs> Every single thing. I mean, Matt, you can speak to it in more detail. I mean, yeah, I would say that, like, we, one of our famous stories, like, or my favorite stories, I guess, is, like, so our other partner, Scott, um, works on this he's our operations manager and honestly probably one of the reasons he's not doing this interview is because he's trying to probably track down a porta potty vendor or something right this morning <laughs> but uh he when he first started working with us it was literally i had met him he'd actually worked with the same band i went to new york with with ellie but he had been producing a festival in oklahoma city and i called him and said hey 
it's year we're doing this thing again. Last year, I basically spent the whole time driving box trucks and carrying things and building stuff. And it was incredibly stressful, incredibly exhausting. And I'd like to actually maybe be there a little bit this time instead of like picking up kegs and like Wimberley. So uh, would you come and like make sure I don't have to drive trucks anymore? And like, <laughs> that's sort of the nature of how this thing came together is that we weren't event producers. We were like storytellers. Like I worked in film and Ellie was a publicist and then like she was in journalism and projects. So we both believed in the story of what we were doing. <laughs> but, and, you know, I had experience in production through film. And so I had worked a lot of events on the production side in like building out all of the multi-camera production, things like that. But like throwing a festival was not something we knew how to do. And I think we very quickly, you know, it was definitely the school of hard knocks and trial and error. And, and honestly, I think part of what makes luck so unique is that we didn't come from a land of like, this is how it's done. We came from a land of how can you do it? And mm -hmm. so we asked questions and we always like inquired about how other people did things and we taught ourselves, but I think the self-taught sort of like learned nature of doing it is what kept it so unique over the years is that nobody actually knew how to do it. We just made it up. And so it's not exactly the formal, the formal version. And as we've grown, you know, the team's grown and it's become more of a company and a business. And we actually have a few employees now, but like it's, you know, it's still in that time period where we're, we're just getting, it's just starting to become something a little more of that, of that force. Of course, I was reading a lot in preparation for this interview. And one of the things I read about the experience is that all of the beverages are included in your ticket. And I was sort of thinking to myself, wow, how great is that, that, you know, that they're included. So when you don't have a template for how to do something and you're just doing it the way that you want to do it, sometimes it's actually better because you're not trying to follow someone else's set of rules. But can one of you describe a little bit about the experience when someone comes there, what they experience as a festival goer? I think it's very interesting for us, I think, to see it through other people's eyes, because I, I mean, obviously, you know, we're living and breathing it, not, um, I mean, it's, you know, rare that I think either of us get to even see like a bit of the music. So it's, you know, a lot of, you know, us kind of what we gather about what that experience is like, is just kind of like, kind of like stalking people a little bit. I don't know if you do that, Matt. I do that a little bit. Like, um, like I love when people first get off the shuttle and I'll just like pick a couple people to watch, like, where are they going first? Like, you know, what, what is this, what must this be like for them? But I think, um, you know, I think the Wild West vibe is kind of like hilarious to people, but also, you know, transports them in a way um, that could be cheesy, you know, but I think a lot of people are like, I mean, I've, there's one of my favorite quotes that someone, something someone wrote about us that was like, I felt like John Wayne could be jumping out of every building or something like that. And they were like, I thought it would be the cheesiest experience of my life, but it just actually did like transport you. Um, so there's a little bit of that like wild West, but I mean, there are also, I think the vendors to, like are so thoughtfully chosen. Like there's such a good 
food program that's just kind of become more and more elevated every year. And there are just, you know, a lot of like really boutique, like, you know, experiential elements and activations, um, shopping opportunities, but it's all just very carefully curated. It's not just like a bunch of like blue tents, you know, thrown onto a festival grounds like property. Um, and I think, you know, it kind of, that's what really resonates with people is that everything is thought out and it's, you know, everything is there for a reason. And, um, you know, the, the people that are, um, like the, the vendors, the artists, every single person there is, they want to be there and they interact with each other. And it's, you know, a a huge thing too, is that I think people really love. It's like when artists are done with a set, they're not getting back in their van and driving home. They're like hitting the town, you know, the town, but, um, and they're experiencing it. The, the festival with the audience members. And I, I mean, so it's like, you could run into, you know, whoever, like your favorite artist who just played, you could be grabbing a beer next to them and they're, you know, having like taking it in as much as you are. So it's, there's that community vibe, but everything is intentional and it's not, you know, just like a lot of, yes, like there are free beverages, etc. but it's not, um, you know, your typical festival, festival experience. Um, it's very intentional and curated and warm and fuzzy. I think like that's the reunion element of it, you know, like people kind of can gather and make new friends with their, you know, favorite artist or, you know, someone that's been coming there for years too. It's just, there's a community, um, vibe there too. Yeah. I would follow that up really quickly. Just like the thought that like, you know, when we, when we build it every year, it, it's a living organism. It's funny. We have like some new team this year after like this last two year period, like the pandemic that they're either asking questions about how, how, how is this structure? Like, Oh, it's not for a reason. <laughs> purposely not structured because we actually have always like the living, breathing part of it, of everyone that's a part of it, brings something to the table um is like kind of it's the it's like the coat of many colors of like our festival world is that we like we really do like we're very picky about who we let do things there but the people we do let do things there we kind of trust and help let them have a, a piece of the vision of their portion of it and so like i've always found that like from conception of what we're going to do that year to like the arrival on site like I find myself walking up on things where I'm like, I did not know we were doing that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this person was showing up or that this was coming. And I think it's funny that like, we're surprised almost by our own event where it's like, we knew we invited a certain vendor or a certain sponsor or an artist to curate something or somebody to do something, but it's, it surprises us too. And that's part of the stress of it. I mean, sometimes we <laughs> allow it to be its own little monster but it's like, it's really fun and it creates an event that I think keeps evolving and it keeps growing. And I think it also, everybody feels a little sense of ownership of it because of that. I think that mm-hmm. like from the fan to the artist, to the sponsor, to the retail, like, you know, um, vintage vendor, you know, everyone there feels a sense of ownership of it and feels that they're a part of something that's bigger. And I think that's what's meant to us is like, 
we lost control of it years ago. Like we keep it on the rails. Like we're here to be like the bowling lanes, you know, we're the bumpers. If you wanted to go bowling, like we're not really, we might roll the ball, but after it goes, we have no idea what's happening. And so we're just hoping it goes, you know, if it's a strike, which it feels like it is most of the time, it's the people that are involved. And it's like that community mm-hmm. atmosphere we've seen, like, you know, we've had weddings pop up there. We had like, really, what was that? What was a few years ago? We had like, we walked by and there was just a couple getting married with a police <laughs> open in front of one of the buildings. Like, not rehearsed, not planned. Nobody knew. Like, she unpacked her wedding dress from a bag and like dropped it. And like, all of a sudden they were getting married. And we're like, okay, that that's on. great. Awesome. <laughs> It was genius. I mean, so her reception was a 50 band um, experience. I think I should have done that. It would have saved me a lot of money. <laughs> me too. And, and then everyone would have had more fun, I think. <laughs> um, so do you think part of the experience is also that you, you said it feels cozy and warm and inviting because you know it's somebody's home that is almost hosting you on a certain level. And it's not some municipal you know, building or grounds, it's just someone's home. And is that part of the experience you think? I think for a lot of the fans, like, I mean, it, I think that brings a general sense of respect that's always been there. Like people are very gracious, like not, they're gracious to be on the Nelson's property they're gracious to have gotten a ticket. You know, it's so hard to get a ticket now that there's just the people that are there are excited to be there and they're gracious. And it's like, you know, you see people on in line waiting to get in that have never met each other. And by the time they're in the gates, they're like hanging out throughout the day because they're like, oh, that's my line, buddy. You know, it's really that kind of community where there's it's a shared passion. And I think that the people that are there are truly fans. Like, it's really hard. Like, we do ticket lotteries. We do these weird giveaways and stuff. We do all these things. And so like, there's this, this sense of camaraderie in the process in the like, you know, but, but like at the end of the day, like all of that it is also just under that shadow. It's like our landlord is Willie Nelson and he's this patron saint to like sort of Texas musical history and the family and they're all of their influence in that community. I mean, they've donated to the fire station to the street and they've taken care of people in multiple ways in that community. And I think like, you feel that warmth when you get there. And I think it's just like a sense of like, everybody's, you know, that the police are smiling, the firemen are smiling, the crew's happy, you know, we're, we're running in circles, but you know, it's like, there's a general, like we're hugging friends we haven't seen in years. You know, it's a very, I think the camaraderie and that companionship of just like what it is and people around you, it rubs off, you know, when you're around positivity, it makes you happy. It's like the sun shines on you a little bit brighter, you know? So every year you have to go through the process of picking the artists for the next year's event. How do y'all go about that? I'll just say it's the most stressful part of the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, we, I'll let it like speak to it for a second, but we like, we basically every year we pool everybody's ideas. Like we kind of let everybody throw their ideas in the pool and then we go out and start casting a net and find out who's available, who's around, who's interested. And then when we start to feel like we know what shape it's taking, which is usually in like the winter, um, that's when all the curveballs start coming. And that's when like everybody starts asking us to play or like we're getting hit up by, you know, bigger artists or other artists that want to be there or being like, we're finding a new band that we love that we didn't know about. And so it's honestly, it's a very like, 
stressful process in a weird way. I find it like it, there's a lot of anxiety, like Hannah who buys with us and all of us, we have some late nights where we all like kind of have anxiety about who we're actually booking because we feel like we're putting our, like we're, we're saying no to someone, which is also terrible. Like saying no to people that you love, which is often I like, I found myself more even every year texting more musicians and friends or people in the industry where I'm like, just know that we love you. <laughs> it's not that because <laughs> it's like when you get the bummer, like the, why didn't you call me? I'm like, oh, like, we wanted to, you know? And like, so that's like, it's an interesting process. I mean, it really is. It's become, you know, in the early years, it was about telling people what we wanted to do and getting them excited. And it's changed. And now it's more about like sifting through the submissions and the ideas and then trying to find the stuff that, that resonates that year, but then also trying to be considerate of like who's played before, who do we, who's part of our family that we're going to have back this year that, you know, hasn't been there in a while. And then who is like, you know, new members and who are we inducting into the family? And so it's, it's a really tough balance of like trying to include people that are like, say they have a new album out or they really need to like get some promotion around something new they're doing or like whatever they're doing, but also including space for new artists. That's always what was important to us was like discovering new people and then, you know, throwing in some curveballs of like the cachet of a few artists that stop by or like, you know, I mean, I think that we get a call or a text from like someone pretty large every year. That's like, usually after we've already locked the lineup and they're like, Hey, I'm coming. I'm like, of course you are. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> so I'm getting calls about that right now, actually. <laughs> I'm sure you are, especially because it's two weeks away. Um, so what about the rings? I, I read about the rings the artists get. Tell me about those. Well, um, it is basically, so kind of where it came about, and, you know, Matt kind of picked up on this sooner than I did, but um, this is one of the inspirations, but <clears throat> Willie's band actually has each year, or everyone, like, couple years, um, they, you know, produce these amazing band rings. It's almost like um, like a class ring uh, for all the band members. And they're just so very cherished um, in the band and the crew. And it's just, you know, a really special thing for them. And um, talking about it a while back, uh, Matt had the idea to maybe do something similar for Arlette family, which, you know, constitutes basic, I mean, anyone who plays, um, you know, obviously our crew, um, the chefs involved, um, certain vendors involved. So it's become a really special and coveted thing um, within our kind of whole community. And um, we have a man named Brett Fox with Maker and Smith is this, brand name um he makes these luck rings every year they're um you know stamped with each year so i mean if you're playing you know there are several um artists who will have you know one or two like two or three of them because they've played a couple years or been involved you know um more than once (laughs) and what so they're not supposed to have two or three (laughs) okay just kidding (laughs) But they do. <laughs> um, but, okay, scratch that part. Just that was a joke. Um, but uh, one of my favorite things is there was one night in particular, like a couple years ago, when I was still living in New York, and 
it was like several months after luck, but in one of our favorite like bar venues that we, you know, our whole little kind of group always went to, I walked in one night and saw at least like five people wearing luck rings. Like Jenny Lewis was there, like a couple other artists, like people that had been on the crew. And I just thought it was the coolest thing to really see that, you know, people really value that. And, um, you know, it's like a conversation piece too, which is really awesome. Um, but yeah, but just kidding. You only get one. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to get one. It's like, but I think the trick is the guys that play in three bands, you know, it's like uh-huh. that's managed to get snagged three with three bands. But, uh, I was, yeah, the same thing. It's like, I was in, like, I was working for Hardly Strictly Bluegrass last year, um, helping them out with some projects. And I saw like, two artists that were on stage and I, I try not to ever say anything, but I was like seeing like, I think it was like Valerie June was standing there and talking and I looked down in her hand. And I was like, she's wearing a look ring. I was like, it's awesome. <laughs> like it feels really good to see that like, you know, people are out there wearing them and like proud of it and, and something because it gives us a lot of pride. Cause it's like, it just feels like this little membership into like the family. It's like, Oh, you're part of our team. You're like, you know, you've been there. You know, I think it's a really cool thing to share. When I read that, that's kind of what I was thinking is that it's, you know, something that makes you feel like you're in the club somehow and uh, and part of the family. And I just thought that was really awesome. And um, tell me about the potluck, because that's the day before. Right. And mm-hmm. um, how did that come about and what is that about and what's the genesis of it? Yes, I could I could start it off. I mean, I think it was like another one. of my, I have a tendency to like just throw crazy ideas at the wall out with the team. And I think, you know, usually we start them before we should, we don't like plan them long enough. We're like, Oh, in three months, we want to do this crazy thing. But, uh, the potluck was one of those where, you know, we do the festival every year. And I think this idea came that like, we never get to, and this is funny because this is the antithesis. This is like, it's not what it is now because we grew, but like the idea was like, we never get to all get together before it and kind of like celebrate it before it happens because we're so busy working and we're so busy running around like, you know, with the reunion, I never stopped moving partially on purpose and partially because I can't. And like the, uh, the potluck was that chance for us all to break bread. It was like, let's get everybody there and break bread and like celebrate what we're going to do. And let's do it in honor of the charity and raise money and help like raise awareness and, you know, take care of, take care of the food systems and the programs and the people we care about. You know, with Willie and us, like we're also passionate foodies, a lot of us on our team and with like thinking about farm aid and the impact they've had, it just became something where like, let's make an impact, you know, with, with this event. And so that was the idea. And then, you know, like a lot of our things, it's everybody, everything's such in demand that, you know, it very quickly became the same thing and it, it, it got swallowed up by the demand of wanting to be there when people found out what it is. And it's grown and it's been beautiful because it raises more money now and we're able to actually do a lot for the charities and like create a lot of experience to help the food programs and continue to grow. And it's helped us through the process. We've now launched like a charitable fund through the Austin Community Foundation, which we call the Luck Family Foundation, which could expand. But this like this, what was supposed to be bread breaking, you know, became this like bread breaking of our cause. And I think that it's become really something special is that we like, have been able to get these people together every year and do a fundraiser the day before. And, it, and we've made a lot of impact. And I think it's, it's actually spawned off like what is our, um, 
you know, our philanthropy efforts and what we're doing now. And like, you know, we've, you know, we've raised over a few million dollars over the last few years and through all of this and through events for the, for the food communities, for the music communities, for, you know, crew, for all sorts of people. And so it's become a bigger, bigger part of what we do. And so it's really our flagship fundraiser. Um, and, and that being said, it's like, it's really fun too. I mean, the food's amazing and it's, it's always been great to have these amazing chefs and we've worked with, over the years, we've worked with the Austin Community, I mean, uh, Austin uh, Food and Wine Alliance, which is now the Texas Food and Wine Alliance. We worked with Wholesome Wave for a few years and we worked with Farm Aid for a few years. And so now in year 10, we brought them all together in typical reunion fashion. So it's benefiting all three of those organizations. And because we, partially because we can't make decisions and partially because we like didn't want to exclude anybody, we have like over 10 chefs this year, a part of it. And so we named it too many cooks in the kitchen because there's really too many cooks. <laughs> so that's, so it's, it's really fun. It's just a nice kickoff party and it, it's a chance for us to really make, raise awareness and raise money for like charities and causes that we're working. So. I was thinking that it was a little bit better than the Girl Scout potluck I went to when I was eight <laughs> <laughs> with the green bean casserole, like five different ways. <laughs> so I was, I was looking at the list of chefs you had and I thought, wow. That must be incredible. Plus all the, the money for charity. I mean, that's just amazing. And then you've expanded your brand, Luck Presents. And tell me a little bit about that because there's a spring concert series. If you weren't busy enough planning the reunion and the potluck, you have a whole concert series. So what's going on there? Well, I'll let you kind of start it off. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think, I mean, it's kind of been our goal for a, a bit to, you know, not just cap it off at the luck reunion, which I will obviously always be our flagship event. Um, but there's so much more potential, you know, out at luck, Texas, um, and with our team now that we have one, uh, to really continue the experience, we're creating experiences out there, which, um, you know, it's a really sought after place and people really want to be there. And we've learned that over the last 10 years with the reunion, but really wanted to um, make sure we had a meaningful and um, intentional purpose uh, to do stuff out there, not just throw events to throw events. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some really great stuff has come our way this year and we're really starting to dip our toe into the, the pool of kind of, you know, slowly bringing the, um, the ranch to a venue status, if you will. Um, I'll let you expand on that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, part of it is like a combination of like, there's always been so much more demand than we could ever accommodate out there and I think we we kind of felt as much as it's fun to like be like yeah it's like you can get your ticket to luck it's also like it's it's hard like you know it's not fun to be the person who didn't get a ticket and so creating more experiences and access for that group of people to be able to experience it as well in their own way you know we, we try to throw a luck reunion five times a year it would kill us so we can't do that but we can create something that is still special and also honestly like work with a lot of bands that we can't I mean, with the way Luck's set up, we can't afford to, like, bring in a lot of bands that are touring larger acts or that have, you know, I think part of the goal, and it's starting to expand, is, like, 
to be a place where some of the artists who've headlined in the past or been a part of in the past who've outgrown us have a place to come back to and we can maybe work with them again. And I think that's something I'd love to see as we continue it is like being able to have those artists who were a part of it early on return when they've you know gone full circle and us still be able to make work it out. I mean, you know, people don't know how ticketing and events work. I mean, it's, you know, once an artist is a certain scale, like it's not that we don't want them back. It's that they, you know, they really do, they're being demanded by places to pay them a lot more, that a lot more people could be accommodated than, you know, three or 4,000 people. And so bringing them back for single headlining shows where we can actually pay them, cover their touring costs, cover their expenses of the band getting there is something that's like really fun and exciting to be able to do. And, and I think you're going to see some more of that as we continue to program and think about the future of it. Um, but I think it was also, it's a transition like before COVID, I think we, we had the intent to just do more as an organization. And mm-hmm. we weren't, we, luck reunion is our like reunion. That's always going to be our family reunion of what we do, but we have other ideas and there's more projects we want to be doing. And so like, as much as luck presents, we're doing a series this spring, that series is sort of the, the foot in the door of ideas we have that we want to develop over the next few years. And, and I think that that's, it's our ability to start getting people to understand that we're more than just the luck reunion and that we're going to be doing more. And so like, it's, I think that's, that's the intent is just to kind of like, we're just now opening that up and like, you know, like a lot of things, luck, we opened it a little bit to try to test the waters and it, it came pouring in. So now we've got, you know, we've just announced like, three dates of Willie on top of reunion. And, you know, we got, I think we have more shows this spring than we planned on, but yeah. I think we're excited about it and we're excited about what it brings for the fall. And then, you know, moving forward, I think we have a lot of fun ideas we're going to be sharing and probably pretty soon. So it's going to be neat. Well, I can't wait to see what's next because you guys are doing amazing things with luck and luck presents. And I'm sure you're going to have all these cool, crazy ideas um, it sounds like you already have some and some in the works, but um, if one is lucky enough to get <laughs> have a ticket to the luck reunion, it's only a couple of weeks away. And for those, I guess, who didn't get a ticket, there's so many great opportunities. I was looking at luck presents and I might have to come see modest mouse. So <laughs> yes, you should. I'm coming. I'm going to come. I have to fly right. down there. But uh, I just love the fact that you can experience the ranch, even if you can't come to the reunion. So I just wanted to thank you both for coming, Matt and Ellie. And uh, Ellie, my middle name is Fletcher as well. No are way. We, yes way. Are we related? I, <laughs> I think it. we are. I think we are. <laughs> Distant cousins maybe, but uh, I'd never met anyone, any other woman with the middle name Fletcher. So I was like, wow, you know. Yeah, it's, sure it's actually my maiden name, but I'm keeping it because I'm the last Fletcher on my side. So. Okay. It's confusing, but I love that. Yeah. Well, hey, I love that too. And then thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I know you're going to be busy for the next couple of weeks, but uh, good luck with everything. And we'll see you down the road. Yeah. Thanks thank for Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice meeting you as well. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this edition of Insights. We hope you enjoyed hearing from the leaders and organizers of Luck Presents, Matt Beiser and Ellie Fletcher Derniak. We encourage you to visit luckpresents.com or follow their socials to learn more. And don't forget to share today's show with your friends so that they can get tuned into what's happening with Luck as well. They've got shows coming up with Jason Isbell, Shaky Graves, Modest Mouse, and more. That's luckpresents.com. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks again for tuning in today. 
And we hope to see you again real soon, right here on Insights. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.